Thanks for tuning in to Creative Outcomes. I'm Jimmy Balo from Upsourced, a CFO and accounting firm focused on helping creative agencies. I'm really excited to be here today with Rob DaCosta from DaCosta Coaching, where he helps agency owners grow their agencies in a sustainable and profitable way. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me, Rob. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. It's the end of uh, end of Monday, so um, all good. Had a productive day and have a busy week ahead of me, but all good. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'd, I'd love to uh, just learn a little bit uh, about your background and just kind of like, I think that one of the things that, w- one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of have you on the podcast and one of the reasons why I think that it's going to be great to talk to you is just you're a former agency owner um, who took an agency uh, from zero to 25 full-time employees um, and then was ultimately able to kind of go through a successful exit uh, and wind up selling the agency. Um, And you obviously have a a coaching practice now where you're working with agency owners on a a daily, weekly basis and and kind of coaching them and um, providing some of those lessons learned but would love to just sort of learn a little bit more about your background and what it was like to kind of run that agency and, and kind of go through uh, that exit process. Sure. So uh, if we go back quite a long way, I graduated, I did a computer science degree. My first job was at IBM and I was a very bad programmer. And I quickly realized that talking to computers wasn't going to be my thing, but talking to people would be a better focus for me. So I moved into a marketing role and I was working for a software company And we were trying to hire a PR agency, but we found it really difficult to find an agency that understood the tech that we were selling. So in my naive, arrogant youth, I thought, I know I'll leave and start my own agency. And so that's what I did. And so my background was in software. I joined together with a business partner whose background was hardware. So we were a good fit. And we started our agency CIT PR um, back in 92, I think, 93. And had no plan except to survive in year one I'm sure a lot of people will be really familiar with this like year one is just about survival in fact my business partner didn't join till year two and then we started growing but we didn't really have a plan we just kind of grew and thought okay we're really busy so we need to take on some staff so we hired our first employee and before you know it we had grown to 25 staff and I I remember we had this big open plan office and I had the corner desk and I always felt like people came with their wheelbarrows of crap, pardon my French, and piled it at my desk every day. And after 11 years, I woke up one day and thought, I'm I'm not really doing the things that I love doing that I started this agency for, like, you know, delivering great strategy and getting really excited about the projects we were doing. I went, Instead, I was dealing with HR issues and quality issues and finance issues and all that type of stuff. So I decided that I wanted to do something different. And so I then decided to sell the agency. I had hired a consultancy like many people do. And um, it was, I don't know if you have this saying in America, but we talk about here that waiting for a bus, you can wait for ages and then suddenly two buses come along at once. So um, that's what happened to us. We, we were kind of got the agency in a great position to sell. It took about a year didn't really have much good interest and then we had two buyers and we ended up selling to a large US company who geographically were a good fit for us because their UK office was just literally five miles up the road 
and um yeah and i did a two-year earn out there which was not a particularly pleasant experience i went from running a 25 person business to being part of a 2000 person business with all of the bureaucracy and red tape and politics that came with it that i was a bit naive to having run my own business for 11 years so um ended up leaving after two years in fact they offered to sell me the business back after two years for a pound and again I think this will be well that sounds really surprising the listeners might be familiar with this if they've ever had this experience so they offered to sell me back the business for a pound and I said no thank you because really what they wanted me to do was take back responsibility for the people Um, and I'd moved on then I was ready to do something else so um, left there after two years and then thought what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life and had no big plan, which is a bit of a theme of running that business. And then afterwards had no big plan. And it actually turned out to be a really, really difficult time in my life because I had to admit, and I think this is true for most of us, that our self-esteem and our self-worth is largely based on our business. So, you know, you meet someone at a party or a networking event and they say, hey, hey, what do you do? And you don't say you're a father or you're a runner. You say, oh, I run an agency. So our um, our sort of self-worth is often based on our business. So you take that away. And then I had a sense of who, like, who am I? Almost like a morning, like losing something. So I ended up freelancing for a while, working for some big agencies um, before discovering the coaching world. And that led me to do what I'm doing now. So that's a very quick story of, of my journey in the agency world. No, I mean, I, I appreciate that background. And I think, to your point, like so much of your identity when you own a business or when you run an agency is, is wrapped up in, in that organization. And so much of your personal life is tied in with the business. And it's really hard to kind of, <laughs> there's not a, an easy way to kind of flip that switch. Um, and so I definitely understand that whenever you kind of go through the process of selling your agency, um, you kind of almost go on a journey yourself where it's sort of like that self-discovery of like, Hey, after my whole identity is not in this business, who am I and, and what do I want to do next? And what does that look like? And I also think, sorry to interrupt. I also think that when, when you're selling an agency, when you're selling your business, you're very fixated on that sale. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel. And there's a lot of ego wrapped up in that because someone wants to offer you some money for this thing that you created and so you get very wrapped up in all of that and you get wrapped up in obviously getting the best value you can for the sale and negotiating the best deal but very rarely are people thinking beyond that and uh, if I could give everybody one piece of advice if everybody does plan to sell their agency the best piece of advice i can give and i give to people now that i work with who want to sell their ultimately want to sell their business is two things really number one is make sure you know what you're going to do next so have a succession plan for yourself which is incorporating your personal life as well as your business life that has to be part of that journey and the second thing i would say is to think really carefully do you really want to sell the business Or do you actually want to extricate yourself from the business? Because one thing I've learned is that succession planning means many things, not just necessarily selling your business. When I sold my business, I, there was, for me, I felt like there were no other options besides doing what I was doing and getting on with it or selling the business. And so I just had to sell the agency, but now I'm much grayer and older and smarter and wiser. 
I um I know that there are other options as well. And so when someone comes to me and they say, hey, Rob, we need some help to get our agency in good shape so we can sell it, I'll start with them saying, why is it you want to sell the business? Now, sometimes they have good reason, like they want to retire. And so that that planning looks like that makes sense. But often they have no good reason, except they believe that the natural journey is to build their agency to a certain size and then sell it and then start again. And that may be, may be the case, but it often isn't the case. And so when we explore some of those other options, they sort of go, oh, okay, well, actually what I really want to do is not sell, but build my business so that other people can run it and I have the freedom to go and do other things. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think backing up like for a second, I think one, one question that I had was like, obviously you said you had a business partner in, in the agency. Were you both at a stage in your life and at a point where you both wanted to sell or like how, like how did that conversation go between you two or like, was it mostly you kind of driving that and saying like, Hey, I'm at a point where I want to do something else and I would love to kind of look for a potential exit. Um, how did that go? Yeah. So that's, that's a really good question. And, um, we were really fortunate that we got on very well and we were on the same page about where we were at. I was the majority shareholder in the business, but we needed to be in agreement that we wanted to sell. He had some other plans because he he wanted to move from the UK to Spain, uh, which he, he now lives in Spain and, and he's managed to do that. Um, but I think we both had got to the point in the same journey. Two two big things happened as we had two. This is another tale to be to be mindful of is that we had two really big clients we had lots of clients but we had two really big clients and those two clients accounted for probably 60 percent of our revenue and almost at the same time we lost both of those clients now we lost one of them because they got acquired by ibm and the other one we lost because they got acquired by adobe so one of them was macromedia the people if you remember that far back they they created flash and all that stuff way back in the day well we were their pr agency for a long time and then they got acquired by adobe and of course when you're acquired by ibm or adobe the chances of the incumbent agency retaining the business are pretty slight so we ended up losing two clients and it felt hard work like trying to you know um replace that revenue so that was part of what happened in that the year that led us up to decide to sell but we were lucky that we were both on the same page we had he already had some aspirations of what he wanted to do because like I say he wanted to spend more time in Spain whereas I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do but we were both in agreement and the when we made the sale he he was more unhappy than I was and he ended up leaving the company that bought us after one year which kind of made it a bit difficult for me but you know, it was, you know, that, that was fine. And we're still friends now. So all these late years later. Yeah. And, and how, how was the, like, how, how did the transition go for your team? Like, obviously, like you, you went through this, you're, you're at the stage where it's like, Hey, this is actually going to happen. Were you kind of bringing your team along for the journey as it was sort of unfolding? Or did you wait until like the actual deal went through to tell them? Or what did that look like? another good question i would definitely wait till the deal is done before you tell your team because you know you know the full picture and you're the entrepreneur that understands all of this but your team will fill in the blanks and make the wrong assumptions so i would definitely say to people make sure that the the ink is on the dotted line before you tell your team but you know i mean we took the whole team with us but a lot of the team by the time i got to the end of my two years 
of 25 people, there were probably only about 12 of them left. So a lot of the others had gone on to do their own thing. So, um, you know, move, move jobs, partly be, maybe because they didn't want to work for a big business and they'd found themselves suddenly working for a big business. Um, and so, but the mistake that we made, I mean, we made many mistakes, but the mistake we made, I think, and again, a good piece of advice is you've got to make sure that there is a really good cultural fit when you're selling your business. Don't just look for one that might be a good fit in terms of what they do and what you do and who their audiences are and ge geographically a good fit like it was in our case, but it wasn't a good cultural fit. And you need to make, I didn't know any of this then, but you need to make sure there is a really good cultural fit as well. Otherwise it's going to be hard for everybody. And, and in a way that's why at the end of two years, they offered to sell me the business back for one pound because it wasn't a great fit and it hadn't delivered on its promise. The whole definitely wasn't greater than some of the parts. Yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of that, like as you were kind of in negotiations and kind of going through like the due diligence process on both sides, were you picking up on any like red flags or signals or was it like, Hey, like we're at the point where it's, we're wanting to get this deal done. Was there anything that from your, like, were there any gut instincts or was there anything from your end that you were just kind of noticing initially? Oh, I mean, I'm ashamed to admit this because when you say it like that, there obviously was, but the issue really we didn't do our due diligence well enough. We were being courted by one person, by the managing director of the UK office. So we spent a lot of time with him. We were also close to signing a deal with someone else. So we had to expedite the process. So the due diligence was really fast and done from their end, but probably not from our end. We met some of the other senior partners who we would be kind of equals to, but yeah, we didn't do enough due diligence. I think if we had we would have realized it wasn't a great fit. But, you know, again, you get seduced by the the thought that someone wants to buy your business. And ultimately, you get seduced by the numbers, the promise of the numbers that you're going to be offered. And so, yeah, we, I, again, I would, what you just said, I would advise anybody to do. But if I'm honest, we didn't do it well enough. No, I, I, I totally understand that. And I, I think that a lot of times, I mean, you, you hear this um, from just talking to entrepreneurs that have sold their business, but you kind of, it almost be, takes on a life of its own where it's like, Hey, you, you have the job of running the company, but then you also have another job when you kind of go through the process of selling your company. And you hear people say like, Hey, like I, I kind of took my eye off the ball as I was kind of going through that sales process. And as a result, X, Y, and Z happened or sales declined. And so I think that it's one of those things where you sort of have tunnel vision and you're so focused on making sure that you're communicating and that you're getting the paperwork done and that things are actually progressing and that you're building that momentum that I think that it's really easy for other things to kind of slip through the cracks. So, Yeah, and also in our case, um, they didn't want the brand. They wanted the technical skills. So basically this company didn't really have a strong marketing arm to their business so they want that's what they wanted us for so they killed the brand immediately and absorbed the people so and, and then I took on a completely new job I became the head of their new product development so which was really silly because obviously I was quite excited by the new role but it meant it, it limited my impact it hit the financial numbers that we were targeted with hitting so anyway lots of 
learnings um, that I'm able to take forward and use with clients that I'm talking to now who want to sell their business. So I guess fast forwarding. So like after you sold the agency, went through the process of kind of figuring out what you wanted to do next, did you know that you always kind of like has this passion to kind of like work in the agency space, work with agency owners, always been there? Or like what, what kind of led you to like, hey, I think the next path for me and like the next stage in my, my journey is going to be to become a coach, to become a consultant, to kind of pass on some of these lessons learned. Yeah, I mean, for me, two different people said to me, Rob, you would be a really good coach. And when um, I looked at what I valued most about running my own agency and having hundreds of staff come through our agency, you know, as the beginning of their career and then move on to do other greater things, I realized that like help, helping people was something that I was passionate about. And I have a, um, a hobby where it's working, like a, I do some charity work, working with young people. And again, when I looked at that, it's like, what is it I get out of that? And it's like helping people. So that was that was a big light bulb moment for me. And it wasn't clear when I was selling the agency or even for the two years after the sale where I was freelancing and earning lots of money, but being very unhappy that I then had these two very different parts of my life say, hey, Rob, you'd be good at coaching. And that was the that lit the fire. And then I went back and did some coaching qualifications and then started this business. So and, you know, I've never looked back since. And I always say in the past 17 years, I've been much happier doing this, even though I don't make as much money as I did when my agency was running really well. I'm much happier doing what I do. And, you know, it's not all about money. It's about happiness. So, um, yeah, so I, I didn't have a big game plan. I, I like I said, I would tell anybody now part of your succession plan of wanting to sell or exit your agency has to be what are you going to do next and how does that fit in your life plan? And don't think you need to sell before you think about that, because otherwise you'll have a tough time. Mm-hmm. And I guess in terms of the the coaching practice, like what what type of agencies are you mostly working with, like in terms of like headcount or revenue or what does that look like right now? Yeah, well, let me if I could just tell you a bit about that story, because this is a this is a story of, of niching success or niching success, as you guys would say. Um, and that is when I started. So I, I did my training and then I worked for a coaching, a big coaching practice for a couple of years. And then I left and I thought I want to be self-employed again. And when I started my business, I was trying to be all things to all people. So in theory, I could go and coach a big bank one day and then a small startup business the next. But the reality was that I didn't really have the credibility and the case story, case studies and the testimonials to say, you know, I can work with you, big bank. And if I told the small startup that one of my clients was a big bank, then they would think, well, how can you help me? Because that's so far removed from what I need. So I was fairly unsuccessful in the first 18 months of running my coaching business. I got by, but I wasn't really kind of growing it. And then I thought, okay, I need to, I need to specialize. And so it was very easy for me to work out my specialism or my, my niche because of my background in marketing agencies I was still passionate about that field and so I said okay I'm going to focus on working with marketing agencies and actually I want to focus on working with the owners of those agencies who have still have that whole entrepreneurial flair and so now I typically work with agencies between one and 25 staff 
Um, I'm typically working with the owner and then maybe helping them bring in that second tier of management team and working with the management team to align them and get them focused. And that's where I feel like I can make the biggest impact because they can make decisions very quickly um, and, you know, we can have an impact very quickly. So that's kind of who I work with now. And my story of being a generalist and then being niche is a, is a good story for anybody really, because you run this belief that if I need, if I niche down, I'm going to lose all these opportunities, but then you also have to ask yourself how many of these supposed opportunities you're actually winning. Um, and I think at the moment when, when we're recording this and things are quite tough in the world, it can be very easy for an agency to think the solution to winning more business is to be more generalist, to try and attract a wider audience. And I'd actually argue the opposite is true, that the more specialist you become, the easier it is to win business. So, um, yeah, so I've, I'm working with agencies between one and 25 staff now who, um, who, who want to grow their business in a profitable, sustainable and enjoyable way. Yeah, no, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think the, um, our firm has been around for, for 10 plus years. And when we were first starting out, we were mostly working with small businesses in the Columbus area. Cause that's where we were headquartered and originally founded. And it was some restaurant groups and some, a PR firm and a law firm. And it was mostly just like small businesses in the community. And I, I loved that. And that was, that was wonderful. But I think the thing that really sort of, was the spark for us was when we said like, Hey, we're going to plan our flag and we're just going to focus on creative agencies. Um, that's really where we were able to kind of come in and, and see that traction. And, and from our perspective, like it really, like we were able to kind of come in and you're able to see um, just from our, from our perspective um, where you're able to kind of come in and you're able to basically take a lot of the lessons learned um, and you're able to kind of look across the portfolio of clients that we're working with and apply those lessons and be able to kind of uh, come into the conversation and be like, oh my gosh, I have three or four other agencies that I'm working with that have this exact problem and this is how they're solving it. Um, and really kind of be that expert and that subject matter expert, which is which is definitely like huge and uh, a huge value add from from our from our the way that we like to work with clients. Yeah, definitely. I think you know it's it's you want to be seen as the expert not the not the generalist and when you're seen as the expert it's easier for people to find you as well as you to find the ideal target client so one of the um just to switch gears a little bit like one of the things as i was kind of just doing a little little prep work a little homework just for for the interview one of the things that that i really enjoyed um was just kind of like getting to learn about the way that you kind of coach and the way that you kind of work with agency owners. And, and one of the things that one of the, the areas that you definitely kind of hit on um, that I really stood out to me um, would, would just kind of the lessons learned was surrounding yourself with like a really good team. And as an owner, um, you have a tendency to um, really not be able to kind of let go and to be the one where it's like, Hey, it would take me like, like it would take me twice as long to kind of explain this project or this type of work to somebody else. Let me just jump in and do it. Um, that way I can kind of get it done and knock it out quickly. Um, what, I, I guess from your experience, like what does that look like or how, do you have any kind of tips if there is somebody that's kind of in that situation where they're struggling to kind of like 
build that team up and they have a hard time of kind of like letting go and, and giving up some of that, that those responsibilities as an owner? Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we have to think that someone started their own business because they wanted a number of things. They wanted control, they want flexibility, and they want freedom. So one of the key reasons why someone would start their own business is because they want control. And now we're saying, well, actually, as you grow, you need to leave, you need to let go of that control and you need to delegate it down to everybody's other people. So I think a lot of entrepreneurial business owners find it very, very difficult to let go because they are by nature control, very controlling people. They like to be in control. They tell themselves stories like no one will do it as well as me. All the clients want me on their accounts. I haven't got time to show somebody else. All these stories that are just not true. So one of the first things we have to do is challenge people's kind of what's going on in their head, their beliefs around this stuff and say, no, I do a really good exercise with people where I work out what an hour of their time is like, what is your notional hourly rate? And we work out a number. So let's say your works out that your notionality rate is $170 an hour. So then we need to start looking at all the tasks that you do and say, are these tasks worth $170 an hour or more? Or are they worth less than that? And I guarantee you that 60% of the things that we'll be doing will be worth less than that notional hourly rate. And now we know that we've got this in black and white. We can now start saying, okay, how are we going to get this off your plate? And when, when it comes to hiring people, it's understandable that when you're in the early stages of your business, you're going to hire, you, you don't have a ton of money. So you're going to hire lower level junior people and you're probably going to want to develop them as their career. That's what I did. And, you know, that worked really well. But at some point, you also have to say, I need to now hire the most expensive person I can afford. I need to hire someone that's going to challenge me and that's going to be nipping at my heels. And maybe I'm not always going to agree with them. But I need to hire that person because one of the biggest things I see with agencies as they grow is that the gap between the leadership or the leader and the rest of the team gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what we've got to do is plug that gap. So that looks like ultimately hiring a number two, hiring a team that become, becomes your senior leadership team and those people that you trust enough that you can delegate work to. And one of the ways to do this is one of the key things that all agencies need to do is have a plan. They need a roadmap for their agency. And when they worked out their 12-month plan, they need to break it down into quarters and break it down into those quarters into monthly tasks. And then they need to take those working on the business tasks and delegate them to other people, not just have them all sitting on their own plate, but actually get other people involved in delivery of working on the business, driving the business forward. So I would I would say to people, hire the best people you can afford as soon as possible don't just hire people in your own like that you feel comfortable with, but hire people who are going to bring experiences, different experiences and different viewpoints to you and may well challenge you, which makes you feel uncomfortable, but it keeps you growing as a human being as well. And ultimately it means though you can get work off your plate to focus on those high value tasks that only you can do. And when you think about it, the, what are the tasks that the, the, the agency owner, the only the agency owner can do well, it's going to be planning for the future. It's going to be being the figurehead spokesperson for the agency. And it's going to be opening some of those doors for new business. Those are the really high value things. That, and obviously things like, you know, working on new products and so on, if you're going to do that. But those are the high value tasks, not being stuck, as I call it, stuck on the client service hamster wheel of doom, not being the main 
contact point for every single client because they all want you on the account. Well, of course they do if you make yourself available. Not being the person that's fixing the photocopier and doing the washing up and all that stuff, you know, you need to get that off your plate and focus on those high value tasks. Is there like, so I think that one of the, obviously every agency owner and every agency is a little bit different and kind of like on their own, their own path. But is there like a certain like inflection point or is there a certain, are there any signs like if, hey, if I'm an agency owner and I'm listening and it's like, hey, a lot of this is resonating. Are, are there certain, just in your experience working with a bunch of agencies, are there certain themes that you look for, whether it's like certain milestones, whether it's headcount or revenue or just pain points? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some revenue pain points. Like it, it, we always talk about, around $450,000 is is a point where you need to move to the next level around a million dollars, around one and a half million dollars. These are some of the roadblocks you're going to hit that if you don't get the structures and infrastructure in place, you will not be able to grow beyond that. So I think there are some points like that, but I think in the, you know, the big challenge at the beginning is hiring a first employee. And you want to do that as soon as you can. And, you know, I always say to people, you need to know what the metrics look like in your business so that you can make that decision with confidence. And of course, today, hiring people looks very different to how it did when I was running my agency, because we can now hire people across the world. We can hire remote workers. We can hire part-time people. We can hire freelancers. We can, there's many ways of solving the capacity problem. But I would say to people, hire, have a plan and hire the first person as soon as you can and that first person needs to give you more capacity so they need to be a deliverer so they need to be an, like an account exec or an account manager that can actually deliver work so that you're increasing the size of your capacity in your business mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think that that's that's a really good point and that's something just in terms of like the metrics and the KPIs, something that that we really work with our agencies on, especially like early on at these beginning inflection points is rather than create a dashboard with like 15 or 20 KPIs, like let's just kind of narrow the focus and let's just create like two or three that you should be focused on and that you really kind of need to track month over month. And then once we have a really good handle on those, then we can expand. Um, but it's going to just be a distraction if you're kind of like starting with 15 or 20 um, and not necessarily uh, being able to sort of hone in on that that focus. So, No, I just to say I'm a believer in keep, keeping it simple. So I totally would endorse what you just said. Um, Another, I guess, point that I'd love to kind of just learn and just kind of understand it, it, one of the another lesson um just from the book uh that i was curious about is as you said like hey like it really it matters and something that you really kind of like like preach is just like hey how do you build a loyal team uh, and when you kind of build that loyal team uh, it allows for you to kind of create like a sustainable business long term um whether it's in-house or whether it's virtual like what have you seen or like what experience do you have there? Do you have any kind of like, like best practices or tips you can kind of provide? In terms of building a loyal team, a loyal team, you mean? Yeah. Um, I think um, the most important thing is to have for you and for them to have clarity on what their role is and what good looks like in their role for you to give them as much responsibility as they can 
cope with, um, for you to be a really great communicator, for you to realize that investing time in managing your team is time very well spent, not time wasted. Because at the end of the day, if you're thinking, well, I can either help Fred do this task or I've got this client shouting and I better go and do deal with the client, then we don't um, manage our team effectively. I think becoming someone that is really good at communicating, is really good at listening and is really good at giving feedback is crucial. And again, all of these skills are not necessarily ones that the entrepreneurial founder will have because they will just kind of think, well, I know how to do it. So why don't you know how to do it? But that's not a good way. So investing time in, uh, and one of my favorite expressions is slow down to speed up. So slow down, invest time in your team, make sure that you're communicating, make sure you're delegating effectively, make sure you're recognizing and rewarding people those things all collectively mean that you can build a loyal team. And I think the crucial thing is to pass as much responsibility onto other people, because if you, one question I get asked quite a lot is how much information should I share with my team? But if you don't share how the, the business is performing, if you don't share the aspirations that you have for your agency in the future, then you, you're not taking everybody on the same journey as, as you. And I always liken it to a car journey. You know, if we were planning a car journey and in my head, I wanted to go to LA, but in someone else's head, they want to go to the South of France and someone else wants to go to Scotland. We all just say go because we don't have a plan. Imagine what chaos that's going to look like. Whereas if we sat down and said, okay, we all agree we want to go to LA. This is why we want to get there because it's going to be really exciting when we get there. And this is how we're going to get there. Now everyone's excited with, to go along on that journey with you. And that's a crucial part of building an agency. And I think then you can start to genuinely delegate bigger parts of the running of the agency to other people and trust that they will care about it as much as you do. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that a lot of the times what we'll typically see is like working with owners because they've been thinking about it they've been sort of like ruminating on an idea and it's in their head but it's a matter of like sort of like taking what's in their head and kind of like sharing it out with the team uh and doing it in a way where it's like hey like we're we're wanting to kind of like bring you along for the ride and kind of have you understand sort of like these whether it's new ideas or rolling out like a new framework or a new system or just a new tool that they've been thinking about i think that a lot of times an agency owner or an, the owner of a business will will have these ideas and it's just a matter of kind of bringing the team along for the journey and making sure that they feel bought in and invested and they understand what's happening um and it's not just like oh this how, how yeah how many um how many people believe that telepathy exists i'm saying this rather sort of tongue in cheek but they know what they want to do in their head they don't explain it very well. And then they get frustrated when other people don't deliver it. So um, I sat, let me tell you a quick story. Years and years ago, I was working with a London-based PR agency who had 20, 30 staff. And the um, owner of the business was doing his annual State of the Nation, uh, sharing with everyone the vision for the following year. And he'd asked me to sit in the audience so I could give him some feedback. And I noticed people in the audience falling asleep getting more and more disengaged and he was getting more frustrated because they weren't, he could tell they weren't excited. So afterwards I said to him, the, pro- the problem is that you just weren't taking your audience with you. The, the people in the audience were sitting there thinking, well, this sounds like a lot of hard work or I'm already really busy. How on earth am I going to 
cope with this or what more are you going to pay me if I'm going to take on all this extra responsibility? So he just didn't take them along with him. And, and, and he assumed because he was excited by this vision that everybody else would be. So, you know, we have to learn all of those lessons and make sure that we are giving people the why not just the what, like the why is the thing that will excite people to come on that journey and and to paint a picture of the opportunity it creates for them. And and if we grow that you get more opportunities, we can invest in the business, we can invest in you and all of those things, which this chap didn't articulate well at all and then was very frustrated that people were not excited by his vision. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that it's definitely something to to be aware of and, and a, a good good lesson learned. Um, I know, obviously want to be respectful of your time. And um, I know just a couple more questions from, from our end. Um, I think one of the things that just kind of switching gears a little bit, one of the things that, that we see, especially like in nowadays um, is the importance of community and the importance of like, Hey, uh, we have a lot of um, just, best practices and we have a lot of lessons and we've been running these businesses for a really long time and we're able to kind of like share a lot of that back and and so many people especially like in the the agency space kind of have the mindset of wanting to kind of help others which I think is fantastic and amazing and it's not meant to be it's it's more like uh community over over competition uh which I think is is really lovely and I think one of the things that that I'm curious about and that I know that you that you have some experience with it's just kind of this this ability to kind of connect agency owners and and bring them uh, together in a community and a mastermind and I think the one that that you're you're running is called the the implementation group and I was just curious about like your experience with that and and how that has been and and just kind of how that has helped you personally and just kind of like what that experience has been like so far. Sure. So I think like a lot of people, the pandemic changed the nature of my business. And I already had an online program, but it kind of grew exponentially during the pandemic because the only way we could communicate was online. And um, so so that group is called the Self-Running Agency Implementation Group. Now, and the reason why I call it an implementation group is because it's about getting stuff done. It's not just about learning. It's about actually doing. And the thing I love about the group and and um, I still have private clients, but I my future of my uh, coaching world is more in my group because I love the community that it's created. And so currently we have about 45 agencies in the program and it is it isn't competitive. It's co-op. It's it's cooperative. The whole premise, we get together once every couple of weeks and people ask questions and other people say, yeah, I had that problem. This is what I did. Or they, they go, Oh my God, I'm going to have that problem one day. So I better listen. And that's what I love about that. I sometimes in those group calls, although I'm the facilitator, I can almost sit back and let it do its own thing, which is fantastic. And, and it, and then it, and then they asked me, well, Rob, can we create a directory of members? And so, yeah, of course we can. So we created a directory. And then some people said, Hey, we're going to do this sub thing do you guys want to come and join it? So some some of the group get together and they do some work together, just like an hour where they're all sitting doing some work and giving each other support. So I love the um, the uh, uh, the concept of the program. And someone much smarter than me said, people join these type of masterminds for the content, but they stay for the community. And I think that is really, really true. And so... Um, 
yeah, I really, really like that. And and from my perspective, it means I can impact a wider audience of people. And, you know, most coaches do what they do because they want to leave an impact in the world. And by having a group kind of program, I can impact a wider audience. I could never work with 45 agencies in one in one go. Well, now I can. Uh, and we're trying to grow this program up towards 100 agencies. That's our big, big goal. So, um and yeah, so I love I love the community aspect of it, and I learn so much from them. Like I say, sometimes I can just sit back and listen and think, "Oh wow, I didn't um, I didn't think of that." Or something else that I really enjoy is people disagree with me. So, and I really like that because it creates a really robust debate, and I learn a lot. And my my views on things have changed a lot. Like if you a couple of years ago, pre pandemic. I would have told people the only way they can grow their agency in a kind of sustainable way is by hiring in-house team members. And I've now realized through this, through my podcast, talking to people who have a different mindset and through my members who say, well, actually, I'm building my business quite successfully with a hybrid model or just using remote workers. So it, it helps me learn. It helps me change. And I like it when people disagree with me because, you know, we have some really good debates about that. And um, I learn a lot as well as my members as well. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I think that from our experience, we have a lot of current clients that are, are, are a part of EO or the Bureau or a part of these these organizations. And I think that there, a, a lot of that that message has definitely like like run true about what you just said about like, hey, we, we're we're looking for that community and we're looking for a way to kind of learn and share and, and come to the table with a perspective and learn from others. So I think that's wonderful. And, and just to, just to add to that, I'm almost my whole, whole time of coaching. I've been part of a program myself. I'm part of a program right now. And I, I have calls twice a week with the group <clears throat> and I love it because I keep learning. I keep hearing, I, I get to be the member rather than the facilitator and I think and I think everyone needs to have that that community. Everyone needs to keep learning, keep growing. Everyone needs to find new ways of doing things that they did before, you know, so they can, then they can improve that. And everyone needs to learn off each other. So I I'm I always say I practice what I teach, and um, you know I'm always part of a group myself as well as delivering my own program. I love that. Like I. I think that's that has to make you a stronger facilitator to be a participant um, as well, um, and definitely say like, hey, I, I I don't have all the answers, and I'm 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 kind of like in a group as well, and I'm going through this, and I'm kind of on my own journey, and um, I, I love that. So thank you for sharing. Um, okay, so I I know that we're a little bit over. Do you have another thirty seconds for just kind of like a rapid round? Um, okay, perfect. So as a, a former agency owner, um, if you could give one piece of advice uh, that you wish someone had shared with you um, when you were on your journey as an owner, what would it be? Have a plan. Have a plan that, that is longer term, medium term and short term. Okay. I love it. I love it. Simple, but true. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, sometimes that's the best advice. Um, in terms of sort of like where to start or like where to kind of like create that plan, like, do you uh, like have any recommendations or like what, if, if someone's like, Hey, I, I don't have a plan and I need, I need help kind of figuring that out. Um, where would you direct them? 
yeah, I mean, listen, again, keep it simple. Plans don't need to be complicated. They don't need to be big financial plans. You can grab three sheets of paper. On the first sheet of paper, write down your aspirations for, decide what long-term is for you, three years, five years, write down a few aspirations for that period of time. On the second sheet of paper, do the same thing for the year. Like the next year, what what steps do I need to take to that longer term and write down no more than seven uh, goals and then take those seven goals and break them down into quarters and then take those quarters and break them down into months. And now you've got stepping stones of how you're going to get from today to the longer term. So I say keep it simple. And I use a very simple, uh, we call it a three-page te- vision template with my clients. It's a really quick process and everyone should do it. Because if you don't, the reason why I, that's the advice I would give to myself is because, and to anyone else starting out, is because if you don't have a plan, you will be at the mercy of everybody else. You will be at the mercy of all these external factors and you'll be pulled in 20 different directions and you will feel like you're out of control very quickly. If you have a plan and you're following that plan and keeping it alive and dynamic, then you will feel in control. No, I think that that's really sound advice and, and thank you for sharing. Um, so Rob, thank you for just being so so generous with your time. And, and I really appreciate you being here today and just kind of sharing your insight. Um, if, if people want to learn more, or if people want to reach out to you, where, where's the best place um, that they can do that? Yeah, so uh, I'd head over to my website, which is just dacosta, D-A-C-O-S-T-A, coaching.co.uk. And if you add, that will take you to the main page, but if you add slash book onto the end of that, you'll be able to download a copy of my book, The Self-Running Agency, which is kind of part autobiography of my journey and part step-by-step guide. So it will cover what we've talked about today. But yeah, the website's got a ton of useful free resources on there. So that would be a good place for people to go to find out more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I always enjoy talking about this type of stuff. Awesome. Thanks, Rob.